Welcome to another episode of Culinary School Stories, the weekly podcast that is dedicated to sharing the stories of people around the globe whose lives have been influenced, impacted, touched, and or enriched, for good or for bad, from their culinary school experience. Hi, my name is Colin Roach and I'm your host. Thanks for joining us today. You are an important part of this show where we ask the question, what's your culinary school story? So now, without any further delay, let's meet today's guest. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Culinary School Stories podcast, a proud member of the Food Media Network. And I hope you follow the show and have subscribed to the podcast because it's free. We would love to have you as part of our community. You can subscribe through your favorite podcast app, such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and a whole bunch more, or through our website at www.culinaryschoolstories.com, which is also where we store all of the podcast past episodes, as well as our guest's bio and contact information. So be sure to check that out. Again, www.culinaryschoolstories.com. So now, without any further delay, I would like to introduce today's guest, who has a great story to share with all of us. She not only has multiple culinary degrees, but has also taught culinary arts at the high school level for many, many years. In addition, she's also a successful entrepreneur who currently operates multiple businesses, and this is just part of her culinary school story. So now, I'd like to welcome Chef Latoya Larkin to the podcast. Latoya, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. How are you today? I'm great. Good. I'm dying to hear all about your story, and I know the listeners are too. So why don't we go way back to the beginning? Where did your love of cooking start, and how did it get you to start thinking about this as a career? Well, my love for cooking came from, uh, I learned how to cook from my grandmother. So uh, my grandmother, she helped out my mom a lot. Uh, my mom was a nurse. So um, just with those hours of her nursing and things, uh, she helped my mother, uh, helped her out a lot. So she taught, uh, we used to stay with her a lot. Um, she did a lot of cooking. She was a great cook and a baker. And she was one of those. She let me pull the stool up and help her with stuff. So uh, <laughs> that's how I kind of got that love started. I started cooking with her when I was about eight. What, when did you decide that this is this is a possibility of a career here? This is something I may want to pursue. I came, I came to that conclusion when I was in high school. After I graduated high school, uh, I took cosmetology while I was in high school, cut hair for a year afterwards. But it was just one of those things like, this isn't what I want to do. I mean, you, you know, there are people that makes an amazing, awesome living because, I mean, beauty is beauty. Mm -hmm. But it just wasn't for me. And literally, I was laying on the couch one day and a commercial for the Art Institute came on and I was just like, that's it, you know, because it's one of those things I've always loved to cook. Um, what I used to do was uh, my first real thing that I learned how to master was peanut butter cookies. Ah. So uh, we used to get um, the commodity peanut butter, the USDA peanut butter. And they had. The, oh, yeah. The big can. Yeah. 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 That, that old school <laughs> white can. And uh, it had the recipe on the back. And so I'd ask my grandma, like, Grandma, can I can I make these? And oh, well, OK, I'll help you make. So, you know, she showed me how to measure and stuff. And so I just kind of worked it and worked it. And I used to go around the neighborhood selling them. Wow. Selling them to people. And so, um, but it was one of those things. It didn't really set in. Like I said, it didn't set in then, but it was always one of those things. I was so young. And when older people like, hey, you can really cook. Like, you so, it's like, yeah, you know, and I, I just liked how that made mm -hmm. people feel. And then when I really thought about it, I was like, you know what? I'm going to always have a job. That's right. Everybody loves to eat. Like, you know, when people get their first little amount of money, you know, they'll pay bills and stuff, but what they want to do. 
They want to go out to eat. So you saw this commercial, and mm -hmm. did, did you go visit the school first? We did. Okay. Well, tell me about that. What was the impression? We ended up going to go visit the school. So I told my mom and my dad. I was like, you know, I was like, I was looking at it. I think I want to go to culinary school. And so they was like, okay, well, you know, if you, you, you know, you're trying to do something, we'll support it. So um, just let us know when we're going to go. And so, you know, I called, got it set up, we went and did the tour. Um, it was at the Art Institute here in Houston. Okay. So okay. Uh, we went there, uh, did the tour of the school, and it was just one of those things. And when that, and of course, you know, they have it set up when the students are in action. So you get to watch them mm -hmm. doing the stuff. And it was just like, that's it. That's what I want to do. You know, I want to do that. I want to be able to make fancy, pretty food because I grew up also watching, you know, great chefs, uh, Justin Wilson, you know, all of the cooking mm -hmm. shows on PBS, you know, before Food Network was right. a thing. And so and it was just like, I want to do that. You know, I want to make pretty food, good food because I can cook, but I want to go and take it a step further. So Awesome. So you signed up, you enrolled mm -hmm. and you're, then your first day comes. Tell us about that. Tell us what, what goes through your mind when you're walking on campus, you're ready to you know, pursue your dream here. What, what did they give you? Did they have orientation and how did they set you up? What was your first class? So we, uh, so I, I signed up and went for the tour. It was during the summer. So, um, so I started for the next, um, for the next uh, course that they was offering. And that next semester was the fall in October, October of 2000. So go in um, like a week before that, you know, did the orientations, did the campus tour again and, you know, got to meet some people, got to meet some uh, new students that were going to be students as well, uh, like that orientation type thing. And it was just super, super exciting. However, you know, getting there on the first day of school, it's one of those things where, you know, you think, you know, you can cook and you, you got this and you got that. But, you know, the chefs, they're going to bring all that down and humble you really quick. So um, it was one of those very... Um, humbling experiences um hard you know because like i said it's one else that you can't have the you, you can't have the feelings on the sleeve you got to be able to take what they give and absorb it and not get personal mm -hmm. and that's where a lot of people kind of you know in life can kind of get personal about stuff but you know they're just doing this stuff to ride you and make you better and honestly i i couldn't even take it back for that experience as well because that's one of the things that i realized over the time of building up my career in the profession and then just also becoming an instructor as well. Like you have to be able to take that criticism. But again, that's a tough blow because I went to culinary school straight after high school. So I'm still young and in my feelings, you know, right. like ni 19, you know, and it's just like, okay, we're just kind of getting over it and, and learning the ropes. But I had an amazing experience, learned a lot, a lot of great chefs paths that I crossed um, just from learning different things, you know, because everybody brings different things to the table. Mm -hmm. Who else was in the class with you? Was it everyone right out of high school? Was there some career changes? Was it military people? Yeah, it was. It was. It was definitely. Uh, it was an array, you know, because uh, you had some people. There were a few, you know, like myself, straight out of high school. Uh, you had people that were literally doing career changes. I mean, they've worked for you know twenty plus years, and now you know they want to become, you know, they want to be chefs now. Um, you have people that were there, you know, kind of still trying to figure out, find their way. So yeah, that age range. Our class was like from um, 18 all the way up to, I think uh, one of the oldest students we had there was Miss Donna and she was like in her sixties, I want to say. Wow. Yeah. So how, how did that affect the dynamics? You had all the different ages, different genders, different ethnic backgrounds. How was that in the classroom? How did it materialize or manifest itself? 
the dynamics, you know, it's one of the, especially when you deal with older people, because you know, some people be setting their ways, you know, so it's like, you know, when you have these fresh new ideas and, you know, they think, oh, you're young, you don't know what you're talking about, you know, that type of thing. So um, one of the things uh, that one of our chefs did, Chef Watch, shout out to her, she was from Chicago, uh, great chef. I did intro with her. She used to mix us up. So it was like, you know, we couldn't get clicked up and just want to work with the people that we were comfortable with. We had to actually rotate. And, you know, um, we were assigned, you know, assign our positions in the brigade and just kind of rotated and moved around. So you got to be able to gel and work with other people because, again, that's that. And that's one of the things she said. That's the reality of you. Like, you're going to work with people that you're not going to like, but you got to get the job done. You know, um, so you got to set your feelings aside. You know, I know with some people, I can already tell what personalities a lot of people are going to get along, but we still got to work it out. And, you know, it was, it was one of those things of work in progress, but it definitely, again, it helped out mm-hmm. in the future because that's nothing but facts. Like you're going to do mm-hmm. things that you don't want to do. You're going to work with people that you don't want to work with, but you got to get the job done. You know, that's part right. of it. Right. So true. So true. Now, did you have a favorite class going through that first degree program or favorite chef, something you want to give it a shout out to? Uh, my favorite chef, uh, and we, and here's the thing, I couldn't stand him. Like we, 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 we kind of had that, uh, we was like kind of at each other. Chef Edrington, um, Chef Michael Edrington, he is really dear to me. Um, he helps me out a lot. He, to this day, we're still in contact. You know, he still mentors me and things of that sort. <clears throat> but um, it was one of those um, of how he, he, how he would talk. He's just so rough. You know, he'll just talk to you like, and it's like, wait a minute, you don't know me like that. Like you sitting here talking to me like that. And then, um, when I really got to know him, it was just like, okay, he's cool. You know? And it was just like really getting to know. And it's like this old white man coming at me, telling me all this stuff and trying to put the little black girl in. Cause he had told me, he called me one little black girl. Let me tell you something like, Oh, hold on. You know? And so it was one of them kind of moments. But when I realized it, he was married to a black woman. Um, you know, like he had a lot of black friends, so he just kind of, and I'm just like, okay. But then when I could, again, pull it back and get out of my feelings, I learned so much from him. Um, he was one of those, I had my first restaurant, real restaurant job, like full service. Cause I worked fast food and stuff like that, um, in high school, but that was my first real restaurant job. Um, it was my first chance of leadership, you know, to actually be in a leadership position, you know, truly learning inventory learning how to plan menus, learning, you know, just all of that recipes, cost, labor, all of those type of things. It was, I learned a lot, so much of that from him. And it was from that experience of him. Um, Cause he ended up uh, doing a, a corporate chef position for a restaurant, a local restaurant here in Houston. So he left from teaching. And so he brought on a lot of us on board and it was just like, like I said, that experience was fun, an ex- like phenomenal experience. Cause again, where else am I going to go? you know, and get that type of experience other than them just trying to place you in the line cook or just trying to place you where they need you to be at and not giving you the extra. So he definitely, I learned so much from him. Do you think he was just putting on a front for the students, you know, but it really wasn't his true personality or he was just doing that as a motivator or being that rough type? I think it was his motivator. I mean, that's him. I mean, he's by by nature. I mean, he's he's like that. You know, he knows like he he just he's just like that. So I I wouldn't I definitely wouldn't say it was him being his authentic self. Um, And it's just one of those. It's like that tough love. uh, Like, because, again, if you don't know him, you're not going to like 
It's just simple as that. You, you're not going to like them if you don't know them. It's one of those, you got to take the time and get the know. Like you said, peeling the layers. Right? It's like, you know what? He cool. Like, he really, okay, I can take it for what he is. I, I know what he's about. So, so let's, yeah. Let's, let's jump ahead here. I'm going to talk about your next degree. Degree you went back and got two more degrees. And we want to talk about that. But okay. while we're on this subject, you know, because you were a high school culinary instructor yourself, what do you think makes a good instructor, a good teacher? What do you think makes someone uh, a successful and effective as a culinary educator? I think what makes a successful uh, culinary educator is being able to tap in to your student and pull stuff out. Um, a lot of times you have students, they'll second guess themselves, you know, and so I think what makes a good instructor is to truly build that confidence offer them those opportunities. Because again, if you don't have those opportunities, you know, um, and I tell my students all the time and just learning a long life, if you don't know the right people, you'll spin your wheels, you know, trying to figure stuff out. And it's the people that you know, that'll help put you into places. So I think one of those things of pulling out that confidence, because you have, I've, I've crossed the paths of some amazing students, but they second guess themselves. And it's like just building up that confidence. And it's like, okay, you know what? I could do that. You know, like, they could really cook. They could really bake. And it's like, have you thought about doing some competitions? Have you thought about competing? No, I don't think I can. Why not? Like, you just made this, like, restaurant quality product. Why not? Right. Oh, well, I mean, I didn't think about it like that. You know, I'm just a kid. Well, you're just talented. You know, it's just those skills. Everybody don't have that skill. You know, because, again, as you know, everybody can't cook. You know, even though it comes natural to us, there's really people they really can't cook and like they really can't boil water as they say that's it so right good so then you actually went back to the art institute but at a different campus correct and got an, uh, your bachelor's degree yes so what tell us about that how did that happen you left you went out in the industry for a while and then decided you needed to get uh, more education yes i felt like i needed more education uh to be taken more serious because um, it's such a competitive field. It's a male-dominated, uh, white male-dominated field. And with me being a Black um, female, it was one of those things of I got passed up for a lot of opportunities that I know I was qualified for because, again, a white male trained me. So I know the industry. I know certain things, but I felt like I was kind of at that tap out point. So it was like, you know what? And I wanted to have a four year degree. Right. So it was like, OK. And then when I seen that the Art Institute uh, of Atlanta, they were the, one of the first campuses to offer that. And my credits would transfer and I wouldn't have to start over at another school and, you know, go for like the whole four years. All of those credits just transferred. and I was able to go and um, obtain my undergrad degree in a year and a half. Right. And so and then again, just also going to learn, you know, go to a different area, uh, go to a different scene, scenery, um, learning new different things in the area, meeting new chefs. Uh, meeting the students, you know, all those kind of, kind of stuff. So yeah, mm -hmm. just getting out there. How did the how did the two campuses compare? Were they very similar, same curriculum, or were they different, different, uh, you know, environment? So the Art Institute, a lot of their buildings, um, they are like campus wise, the structure it's kind of the same. Um, you know, of course, the, they have their differences, like um, mm -hmm. maybe the design layout and stuff like that. But for the most part, they're usually in that structured office building kind of deal and the foundations, pretty much the curriculums, because um, I noticed in the, uh, in the associates program, they had a lot, you know, a lot of the same classes. Um, but what I did notice when I went to Atlanta, there were a lot of instructors, there were students there. 
because of they they offer that bachelor's program. So I, I noticed there are a lot of the instructors there. They were actually sitting right next to me in class, you know, wow. obtaining their bet. Yeah. Uh, Chef Higgins, she was the pastry chef there. Uh, she actually graduated with us in our class. Um, so they're teaching in the two year program while going to school to get their bachelor's degree. To get their four year degree. Yeah. That was that was definitely because I'm like, wow, okay. I but then, you know, they're one of the first campuses, the pilot campus to offer that bachelor's degree. Because now if you look at all the campuses offer the bachelor's degree now. But yeah, that was uh, I think it, yeah, it was Atlanta, Fort Lauderdale and Denver, because I was looking at which one did I want to go to. And um, when I thought about it, I was like, you know what, Atlanta, I've been to Atlanta before. I love it. Always had fun. It's more cost effective than the other two cities. So, Good. yeah, I chose Atlanta. So you just mentioned that you wanted to go back and get that bachelor's degree because the two year wasn't enough for you. You were getting that advancement. Do you think that the two year is enough for other people? It just wasn't for you because, as you mentioned, that you were a female. Or do you think you need more than a two year? Is a two year suffice or no? I think it depends um, because I, um, I think times have definitely changed now. You know, compared to what it was when I when I first went to culinary school, mm -hmm. um, I think now you, you know you'll be okay because there's so many avenues that you could take with people. You know, um, getting that exposure, blowing up people. Not social media is definitely a whole nother monster that wasn't in place um, when I was in school. But I know for myself, with what I wanted to do and what I was trying to do, um, and I've always just kind of been that nerd, like that school nerd. So I wanted to have that degree um, to go back and get that undergrad degree. So the two years enough for somebody, but if you really want to advance or go into management, then you think you need that bachelor's. Absolutely. Because and that's what my degree was in management, culinary management. So um for me to actually be able to be taken serious, like, okay, she really wants to do this. She went past culinary arts of yeah. just learning the craft of it. She actually wants to manage people and actually, you know, because I mean I and I used to tell my students that all the time, you know, you could be so skillful and you cook and crafty and design plates that are just like don't want anybody to eat it because it's so beautiful but if you don't know how to manage people that's where the money is you know because again the chef's going to take the credit for what you're doing because they're you're just doing what the chef shows you how to do and you might be able to duplicate it a little bit better than what the chef does depending on your skills but yeah is the money's in management knowing how to manage people mm -hmm. Now that you've had some time out of school and to reflect and you actually were a teacher yourself, mm -hmm. is culinary school worth it? Is the return on investment there? Would you recommend it or would you change things if you could? I think I think the I think it's worth the investment. Uh, it is an ex it is expensive. However, you get in what you put into it. So, you know, you, you if you get if you want to get the results of being, you know, um, you know, being a chef, living in your passion, doing your craft, um, you, you you're going to get out of what you put into it. That's how I feel about it, um, because there are just certain things you you just I know a lot of people these days, you know, they throw on a chef jacket and they're a chef. But then when you start to talk culinary terms to look like a deer headlights, they have no what you're saying. Um, I think school is definitely beneficial if you're going to be a chef just from knowing because it's just stuff you're going to learn in culinary school that you're not going to pick up outside. of. And I mean, and that's just my opinion. Right. You know, I just I really feel I'm strong about that, you know, because um, a lot of people, they'll look, oh, well, I'm a self-taught chef. And it's like, OK, I respect that. However, you know, it's just certain things you, you're going to learn on a commercial industry level, you know? 
And that's what you'd explain to your students. Well, if like one of your parents, the parents of one of your students came and said, is culinary school worth it? Should I send my daughter or my son? Is, is right. that, that you, that's how you'd explain it to them? Yeah, that's exactly how I explain it because, you know, it's, it's the reality of it, you know, because again, back to that management thing, you're going to move up a whole lot faster, you know, um, with you having, you know, a, you know, certifications and, and degrees behind you, you'll move up a whole lot faster than the person that's just the worker working their work, work way up. I mean, not saying they can't work their way up, but how much longer is it going to take you mm-hmm. to work your way up? You know, so. Do you wish there was some classes that you didn't get when you were in culinary school now looking at you like, oh, I wish they offered that? Or, or was it the curriculum pretty good as it as it as it was written? I think the curriculum was pretty good because we had, uh, especially when I went back on a second time, um, I learned a whole lot, you know, because it was some things they just, because again, the uh, the culinary arts, it was just strictly towards that artsy, crafty, you know, that the art of culinary. So that's kind of what I learned there. But when I got to the management side, it was kind of a balance because they threw it because, you know, we still did some cooking classes as well and kind of really tailored and and fine-tuned some things um, with plating presentations and things like that. Um, I got uh, another chef I have to shout out, um, Chef Daryl Schuler. He's the first African-American master chef. And just getting to work with him, absolutely amazing. Um, He's one of those chefs. He looks so mean, but he's just sweet as pie. You know, and a lot of people don't like the approach of it. He mean, he mean, but... And I mean, when I say a silent killer, lethal, I mean, you, you wouldn't know that he knows what he knows. And then when he gets in his craft, you know, it's just like, okay, you know, it's just really like a, like that odd to watch him, you know, to watch him work. And at the time he wasn't a master chef. When I was in school, he became a master chef. I think it was like 13 or 14. So it was a few years after, after I graduated, but just being able to work with him and learning, you know, a lot about that, because when I went to Atlanta, I started competing when I was in Atlanta. I didn't compete when I was in Houston, but I I started competing when I was in Atlanta. And it was, again, just kind of being inspired by him because he was really strong on the competitions. I really like that's what he did was with the competitions and stuff like that. So uh, we learned a lot, uh, a lot of different skills in, you know, like I said, in regards to the presentation and timing, you know, um, really getting that speed up, that agility, you know, because it was one of those for a while, you know, I had the craft and knew how, but I wanted to kind of take my time and make sure it's this and make sure it's that, but it's like, no, you got to move. Like you, you got to learn your speed. So um, I don't, I, I don't have any take backs on the curriculum, what I learned, because I learned a whole lot. Um, from both of them combined on a combined level. Great, great. And so that chef, he sounds wonderful, you know, good inspiration, motivation for you and being that role model. Now, you mentioned the, the industry, too, is, you know, traditionally been a lot of white men and it's changing. But do you see it? Do you see it changing? Absolutely. How can we change it quicker? How can you know what? what how do you see it in the future? And where's the role models today for those that are coming up through the ranks? Oh, it's it's definitely changed from like from like I said when I started I was called two thousand like and from now twenty one years later it, it looks nothing like it, it looked then you know um, you go into certain places and certain restaurant establishments where you knew back then you, you I knew I wouldn't even have a chance <laughs> you know they'll interview me you know just on a realistic tip they'll interview me and oh okay well, we'll call you back and you know and never hear the call back and again you're knowing. You know why, you know, because I've had this conversation with plenty of my other chefs, uh, chef friends, and it's like, well, you know, you ain't going to see much of us in there and that type of thing. And it's like now in this day and age, you go in, it's like, oh, 
okay, somebody that looks like me is in management now. Okay, you know, times have changed and, you know, we've shifted, you know, kind of got out of that mindset because it's 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 all about skill and, and your knowledge and what you know, mm. you know, what you're bringing mm. to the table. Because as I mentioned before, you know, I know for a fact, I, I knew a whole lot more. And especially when I got into these positions, like, wait a minute, I, I could outcook them. I could do this. And I, I actually went to culinary school, but, you know, because they knew somebody, you know, that can get them in. And now they're in this management position and able to tell me this and tell me that. But it's like, but I can outcook you. I know this. I know that, you know, those type of things. Because, again, a white man trained me and I know just what y'all know, if not more, but I'm not given that fair opportunity. So I think just in the future. It's a bright future for, you know, and not even maybe and not even outside of me being an African-American, just being a woman. Like now we see more women in the industry now, you know, um, because, again, they're uh, by nature. I think that um, women, we already have that know how of that leadership just for being mothers, that innate nature of being mothers and knowing how to lead and having to take care of so much and handle so many things. And a lot of times, a lot of women, they bring different things to the table that men can't bring, you know, to balance it out. So I think in the industry as a whole, just going further, it, it looks nothing like, and then not even that social media. That's another thing that has definitely changed the game is social media. Mm. You know, um, you have people, you know, um, just for myself, is that being a leading example? Uh, I did an article um, with Cuisine Noir last year and Houston, that's a given Houston and Dallas and stuff like that. But I got people reaching out to me from California, New York, Florida, Illinois, you know, just all around. And then they're checking my social media, they're checking this and checking that. And it's just like, it's just so different now. So the opportunities are vast. Like it's just the, it's amazing of opportunities. So I definitely, there's definitely a change and a good positive change. That's great because the industry needed it. Absolutely. There's been a lot of problems, you know, and also, you know, substance abuse, you know, mental anguish, mental, you know, all those things were all part of this, you know, had a bad reputation yeah. in the industry, you know, a lot of. I mean, because, well, you know, the industry is so stressful, you know, a lot of, and if, like a lot of people um, that aren't. Uh, if this isn't for you, it's really easy to get caught up in that, you know, especially when you're working those laid out. Cause I, I was a restaurant chef for eight years. So I, I know, and I've seen, you know, some of the coworkers, you know, I've I seen how some of them were and it's like, whoa, you know, you hitting the bottle real hard, you know, or, you know, you're going from, you know, just a little joint to like real, you know, like the hardcore stuff. So, and again, that coping mechanism, because again, families are falling apart. You're not at home all the time. You Work, you know, just all the different stuff and stress that comes with it. Um, one establishment that I worked at, um, and it took a real toll on on the chef because, uh, and even though it was kind of like one of those things that was his fault, but it's your restaurant, so of course you're gonna feel the burn. Um, a client, uh, a customer died because of uh, anaphylactic. Yeah, she was in an she went into anaphylactic shock. Um, the pie, the key lime pie, had pecans in it in the crust. Oh, no. And yeah, and the uh, and the server didn't disclose that. And yeah, so you know, it's just one of those things of that took a, a just the downward spiral, which I just hated to see that go and how that happened. But again, those are the type of things that comes about, you know, with the substance abuse, with all the negativity that comes with it. So just learning that balance of it. Yeah, yeah. And, the, you know, the, like you mentioned, the discrimination, the harassment, the substance abuse, the industry has to change, but especially now because you can't get workers, right? I mean, yeah. I'm sure you're seeing that out there too. It's like, Absolutely. how are we, we going to bring people into this industry right. to make it, you know, viable career option and get people excited about it and, and, and change. 
Right. Yeah. And that change that just has to come with, you know, just with the times and mindset, you know, just realizing and just getting current with the times. And, you know, and again, like I said, just looking past certain stuff and realizing that people like there's some really talented people that are bringing stuff to the table, you know, whether it's from the age, because a lot of times you have those, like I said, those older people that look down like on you. Oh, you don't know. Well, you don't know what they sit up and do in their free time. Because like I was saying about that student that was kind of second guessing herself. But yet. You sit up and you're watching YouTube videos, Mm -hmm. you know, you actually read, you know, it's something that a lot of people don't do. You know, you're actually sitting here reading up on stuff and you're reading up on techniques like, you know, I'm I'm giving a lesson and stuff. She hands always shooting up. She got that. Well, can you be quiet? Let somebody else answer again, because this is what you do in your free time. You know, you're doing stuff outside of class. So, you know, you never know what people, you know, because you can't take that knowledge away from people, you know, when they really sit up and master their craft and, you know, regardless to the age, mm-hmm. you know, because again, like I said, and she ended up going to culinary school and she's a pastry chef now. But uh, it was just one of those of just kind of, you know, then, of course, when she went to culinary school, you know, she was able to kind of show them up a little bit because again this is what she did like all her teenage years like all through high school was just really you know on their free time you know looking up stuff like i said the youtube videos chef you got any cookbooks i could look at or anything i could use or what you recommend and you know what i could you know that type of stuff she could really blossom Yeah. yeah absolutely absolutely well, it's good that the industry's changing and it really needs to change and work-life balance is a big thing right yeah, now. And so absolutely. we got to try to work on all those. But So let's go on to your third degree. What what inspired you now to go and say, I need a master's? So what, what inspired me for the master's, because uh, it ties into what I'm doing now with, the, uh, with my last concept that I launched, uh, it's time for a change, the nonprofit. So I was looking because I was like, okay, I want to do my master's. Um, I'm wanting to start my nonprofit. And then when I thought about it, I was like, you know what? If I knock out this degree, most likely they're going to make me do like a capstone type project. So I can just go ahead and, you know, get all the, you know, all the game and learn all of that sure. at the same time. And when I finish, when I'm able to graduate with the degree, I'll graduate with a whole plan in place for my uh, for my nonprofit. And that's exactly what I did. You know, when I graduated, I was able to um have everything in place for a nonprofit because, you know, again, all the different assignments and again, meeting the different um, professors and stuff. And that was also a good challenge for me because uh, it was an online course that I did. And I'm one of those students. I'm an in-person student. So I like to sit there, be in present, ask questions, you know, interact with the <laughs> students and stuff like that. So with me being online, it was definitely a challenge because, you know, you have to be, have that discipline for online classes because mm-hmm. it is easy to get caught up and do other stuff. And when you online, yep. you know, it's just so, it's so distracting. M- miss those deadlines. Yeah. <laughs> Very easy. And then, and you know, and of course, as you get higher and higher, um, yeah, there's not too many, you know, you don't, a lot of the professors, no, this is my deadline. If you don't turn it in, I'm not grading it. Um, someone's going to have to die in order for me, you know, for them to give you the, you know, give me that leeway and that uh, credit. So it also helped me learn, um, just to step out and do something different outside of the comfort zone, because they did have a campus here. I went to Springfield College. Uh, their college is based out of Massachusetts, out of Springfield, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And they do have a campus here in Houston, but they didn't offer that um, that nonprofit management degree. So it was just like, OK, I could go on a campus here, but they don't have it. So it was just like, let me make it worth my while. And again, um, one of my good chef friends, Chef Duran, he always says that you have to 
in order to get comfortable, you have to get uncomfortable. That's true. So it was one of those things. It was kind of uncomfortable because it's like, it was exciting, but then it's like, and it's a lot. And another thing that a lot of people don't realize with online classes is it's a lot of work. Like, it's not easy. A lot of people think just because you're online, oh, it's online, it's going to be, you get more work online than you actually oh, yeah. get in person. It's harder. <laughs> you know, harder. it's like, it's, it's a whole lot harder. So, because again, they're trying to make sure, you know, you're you're doing what needs to be done. So, yeah, it was a, it was definitely a challenge. You don't, get, you don't get that discussion time in class. So now it's all writing, right? Because that's how you participate. Yeah, yeah. And then you and then you have to do your discussion questions back and forth online, you know, with, with people and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, it was definitely uh, that challenge I need to grow, you know, to help grow me um, to do things. Because another thing um, that I've always operated my personal chef business. So, you know, just going in to cook for people, meal prepping and stuff like that, caterings and stuff. I had to really scale back because right. it's like I, I don't have I don't have time for it no more. But luckily, you know, I was still teaching and stuff. So it was like I didn't have to worry about that. So it was like a pause while you went on for your education. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it was like and I'll do a little like a few things here and there. You know, especially like my really good clients, you know, I'll pick up and do something for them there. But I just wasn't moving full throttle like I was before because I just didn't have the time to afford. And, you know, and then that social life of like, yeah, I'm not going nowhere. I got homework. You know, you'll never read a personal book. You'll never go watch a regular movie. It's all about the academics. There you go. Yeah, it's, yeah I'm, I'm talking about every, just sitting up on the, on the computer, you know, just doing assignments and just doing this. And, there's, and you know, a lot of my friends, you always doing homework. I really am. Like, <laughs> like I really am doing homework. See, like, see in two years. Right. Okay. <laughs> like, it's not a joke. I'm really doing homework. And uh, not even that, that pro it was an accelerated program. So I started in January of 2019 and I graduated in December of 2019. Wow. So, yeah, you already know the course load on that. Yeah. And then the summer. You know how the summer courses are, they're, uh, they're compacted, so they're not as long as the spring and the fall. So it was just like eight weeks or so. It was, yeah, it, it was a lot. But I, I def, I, something I definitely wouldn't take back because it was one of those things of uh, just really growing me and really learning a lot of stuff about nonprofit business and, you know, and learning all aspects of that, which, like I said, just helped me transition into just putting everything in place that, you know, I was trying to trying to do. And you bring up a good point because if you're comfortable, you're not growing. You know, you need to step outside of that to really Absolutely. raise it. And anyone listening, you know, especially some of the younger listeners to the show that may be thinking about school, if you're uncomfortable, that's good. Go for it. There's the opportunity. That's it. how you're going to learn. Don't be afraid. You know, life's yeah. too short. And that's where people, it's that comfort zone, you know, where they get so comfortable and it's like, you know what, I'm, I'm cool right here. And it's like, that's cool to be comfortable sometimes because you want to be comfortable, but certain things you got to, you know, you got to step outside the box. You got to step out on faith and just do it. So true. I want to take a quick pause here at this halfway point in the show and ask, are you currently in college or thinking about enrolling in college? Or maybe you're a parent grandparent or mentor of a high school or college bound student. In either case, I want to share a super valuable free resource with you. And that is the nonprofit organization called Affordable College Prep. They are a free nonprofit organization that offers remote college support services for students and families, which means that they can help you with your college essays, the application process, finding financial aid, and much, much more. And again, it's free. So what do you have to lose? Check them out today. Their website is www.affordablecollegeprep.com. That's all one word, www 
affordablecollegeprep.com. You can also find them on Facebook and Instagram at Affordable College Prep. Remember, you don't have to navigate the college admissions process by yourself. Affordable College Prep has been helping and educating students and their families on all things college for years, with an emphasis on saving money and doing what is necessary to get students to graduate in a timely manner. The Affordable College Prep advisors do an excellent job in helping students find and apply to the universities that provide the best fit academically, socially, and financially for them and their families. And they do this by providing remote support over the phone, as well as through video chat, email, and text messages to help you prepare for college. So be sure to take advantage of this free resource and contact them today. Okay, now back to the show. So let's talk about your businesses because I want to hear about those because you got like four of them now. You got Black Girl Tamales, which I really want to hear about that. It sounds the dishes you make sound incredible. You also have not enough time, personal chef service. You have your chef apparel you're selling now too. And then you got your nonprofit, which is, is really awesome. The time for a change. So tell us about those and where the inspiration is and where they're at now. Okay. So I will start with not enough time. That's actually my baby. So um, I took personal chef. That was my um, that was my elective uh, that I took when I went for my undergrad degree in Atlanta. The personal chef, the instructor that taught the class, she was a personal chef for uh, TLC, Jermaine Dupri, that whole so so deaf crew up in Atlanta. She was their personal chef, oh. and so she was telling us. And at this time, I was still working in restaurants, and she was just like, you know, um, it's one of those things. You know, you kind of have that flexibility. You know, you can be as creative as you want. Uh, you don't have to get burnt because the restaurant industry for those that are working. She's like, I'm just going to tell you, it's going to come to a time you will get burnt out at some point in time. You know, working those late, long hours, nights, weekends. Hot. And it was like she was just singing to me because <laughs> I had got pregnant with my son when I was in Atlanta. So it was just like and I was really getting to that point. Like, I'm tired of this. You know, I, I'm just I'm away from him more than I you know, than I'm with him. Um, I'm a young mom. I don't even know my son, you know, certain things because I'm away from him so much. So taking that course and hearing her say that, it's like, that's it right there. That, that's that's definitely where it's at. And so. So was that an elective course? That sounds like a mm-hmm. really a creative course. So, so you get to learn about being a personal chef. That was that was one of the electives that was offered. Wow. And so uh, and when I thought about it, I was like, yeah, that's cool. So I was like, that'll be cool. You know, you can, you know, go in, you're going to cook for people, go shop for them. Um, flexibility. Yeah, the flexibility. And not even that. You're creative because, you know, when you work in restaurants, depending on them, especially like a corporate structure, you're doing what they want you to do. Right. The menu's the menu. The menu's, yeah, there, there you go right there. The menu's the menu. You're only getting creative if it's something super late at night. You're making your own plate. You know, y'all, you know, y'all cooking for each other on the line or something like that. But customers aren't getting what you, you know, what you put on the menu. You know, you don't get that flexibility and that creativeness. And uh, especially, like I said, that corporate structure, maybe like a small restaurant with somebody giving you a chance. Sure. But what's the part? What's the probability of that? You, you're kind of right. shooting the dice. So you don't know. Right. But again, being a personal chef. Yeah. You get to come right in and do just what you want to do. You know, you could take, you know, kind of get their idea of where they eat, what kind of foods they like. And then it's all on you. And that's what I lacked. That 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 was something that fulfilled that culinary niche, because I, I never got that of the eight years of working in restaurants. You know, again, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm, I have, you know, um, shift leads, um, sous chef, stuff like that but didn't have that full 
throbbing, you know, like that full creative. And I was like, yeah, that's it. Because I, I know right now. So did you start that in Atlanta and then take that with you to Houston? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, when I came back. Because after I graduated, uh, and that was another thing, I just had more opportunities here back in Texas, back in Houston, because Atlanta's one of those, more, like everybody's trying to get there. So it's like, you know, it's a bit super, super competitive. And, you know, uh, and my support system with my son, you know, we'll be having a small child was here back in Houston. So I came back and yeah, and I started that. And then I also I did uh, corporate work. So I got into uh, you know, corporate administrative work. So I worked at Toshiba. Um, and a lot of people don't know, but their headquarters is here in Houston, Texas. Wow. Yeah. And like um, t- people always that. coming all. Yeah. That's why I was like, a lot of people don't know it. Because I was like, yeah, I work at Toshiba. And I was like, oh, is that you work at the plant? And I was like, well, yeah. I was like, yeah, it is the plant. I was like, but it's the corporate office. They're like, wait a minute, Toshiba in Japan? I was like, yeah. The, I was like, it's here in Houston, Texas. So I was like, people from Japan come here all the time. So yeah, I worked there. I worked in the IT department. Because uh, when I was in high school, like I said, I took cosmetology, but I always took business classes. So I always took, so I know how, you know, I know those basics of filing, typing, document creation, you know, creating documents, all that, all that administrative type stuff. So it was just one of those things of, I'm just going to fall back on that. So I'm going to work nine to five, Monday through Friday, doing the administrative work. But then in the evenings, weekends, you know, I get those same restaurants, nights, weekends, holidays, I can go cook for people. Right. So, and that's kind of what I did. It just kind of built that up. And it still allowed me to be, you know, to be home with my child and be a mother to my child and things like that. So yeah, I took the, um, I learned, I learned that aspect of it. Now, when you were a personal chef, is that where the start came for the black girl tamales? Were you serving those as a personal chef or is that a separate? So I learned how to make tamales with my grandma when I, when I started, when I was cooking with her, when I was seven, because my grandma made tamales. Oh. And so, um, and then, um, yeah, just kind of going into that one, the, uh, the black girl tamales, that is, that is something that took off that I never imagined. Like I, I just, I'm, I'm still like, you, you see the look on my face, it just, the the way that it came about, I just am still in awe with the opportunities that came from it because um, I've always, like I said, always made tamales, traditional chicken and pork. And um, it was back in 2019. Um, I did a brunch, a Mother's Day brunch, and I had like a little bit of collard greens, right? And so I was telling my son, because when we leave for the summer, I sell tamales in the summertime while we're out of school. Right. And so I was like, well, son, you know what? Um, I was like, I got a little bit of collard greens. I'm going to put these in some tamales. And he was like, mama. What? Yeah. Because my son, my son, he's been my sous chef. He's been cooking with me since he's three and he's going to be 17 in December. Wow. And so uh, he was like, mama, you, you tripping. You, you're doing too much. Look, let's let's just stick with again that comfort zone. Let's just stick with what we're doing, mama. We've always made the chicken and the pork. Let's just stick with that. You're doing too much with the collard greens. And I was like, no, no. I was like, son. Think about cornbread and collard greens. It's going to be like cornbread and collard greens. And he was like, I mean, when you put it like that, it makes sense. But mama, I, I mean, I know you're going to do what you want to do. Go ahead and do it. But I still think we just need to do the chicken and pork. And I was like, son, trust me, trust me on this one. <laughs> so I made uh, made a little bit. And it, and it didn't. And of course, it wasn't a lot like it made. I made me like a dozen because I didn't have a lot of film, just trying to, you know, use it up. Who'd you test those with? Who'd you get your feedback? Him. He, he was the first. Oh. <laughs> he was one of the first. So then uh, I called him up. I was like, son, I was like, come try it. And so he came over and ate it. And like I said, he's been cooking with me since he was three. He's my sous chef. And I see that look in his face when, you know, when something is good. And when he ate it, his face just lit up. And he was like, oh. And I was like, boy. And he was like, mama, did 
these are good. Hey, can I get another one? And I was like, oh, now you want another one. Okay. And so I gave a couple of my coworkers. I was like, hey, don't try this. Try it. Tell me what you thought. And they was like, tomorrow? This is good. Like, man, this is different. Because, you, you know, everybody just do I was like, I already know everybody just do the chicken and pork. And so I was like. Right, right. So it's outside that box, right? It's that creativity. I was like, that's a good one. And so when I kept thinking about it, I was like, let me capitalize on it. And I started thinking and thinking, because I've always been super creative with a lot of, and have a lot of good ideas. And I was like, I want to brand it because this is different, truly different. Because again, you know, you'll find people making tamales, you know, they'll do, you know, maybe outside of the chicken for you might find some bean and cheese. You might find some spinach or something like that. But like collard greens, like nobody even thought about collard greens. And so and I came up when I was like, black girl tamales, because I'm a black girl and I make tamales. And that's what I get all the time when I go to the store to get stuff for tamales. And, you know, and they'll look at me like, oh, you, you make tamales? Like, yeah, I make tamales. Oh, oh, okay. Um, all right. And I was like, and I just be looking like, I was like, I know. I was like, I'm black, right? But, and it's like, they just start laughing. I was like, I know that's what it is. I'm black and I make tamales. And you don't think I can make them? I was like, and, um, and so now, and that's a funny story too. One of my students, cause he didn't think, uh, and actually he wasn't even really one of my students. He just kind of grew up. was like one of my adopted students, but he's Hispanic. And so we were planning out a menu one day. And then one of my other students, like, Hey, chef, you going to do something to tamale? Can, can we, if we bring some stuff, can we, rock, can we make some tamales? And he was like, Oh, she can't make no tamales. Man. She black. Like all oh, black people make no tamales. And they was like, man, wait a minute. You ain't trying to tamales. So I was like, don't even do it. Like, I was like, I got them. Let, let me, let's try them out. And so we did a little video and like, well, he tried them. He just went, he's like, man, oh my gosh, these tamales are real. I got to give it to you. They take my Thea tamales. They, they, yeah, they, they good. They, they really, man, who taught you how to make tamales like that? And I was like, well, my grandma taught me because my grandma, she used to live out in California. Um, cause her, uh, my, uh, my uncle's, um, father, she was married to him at the time and they, uh, he was stationed in the military out in California. So she learned how to make tamales from one of her friends in Hispanic. Right. So you have some awesome flavors. I see to see here the obviously the collard greens, smoked turkey, oxtail, smothered pork chops. Where then it just branched out to all these other flavors. And you know what? And that came about during the pandemic. Those flavors. That's and that's where, like I said, that I was blessed for the concept to take off because um, we went on spring break and never came back. Right, never went back to school after spring break, and so of course restaurants took a hit closing all the restaurants, everything shut down. And so I was thinking, I was like, you know what? This is it for my personal chef business. Like stuff is really finna take off. I'm really finna get some, you know, new clients and stuff outside of my regular clients, but things are really going to take off because can't nobody go out to eat. Right, everybody right. is tired of doing stuff around the house, eating stuff. A lot of people are scared to go to the stores and think, this is it. This is going to be my deal. And so I cleaned out my freezer and I had this concept of quarantine cuisines, right? So, um, did some meal preps, you know, and a lot of times and I'm, I'm at the blessed position because they're going to have a lot of clients. So if I post something, hey, chef, can, how much can we get that? What, what's that one for? How much is that? So it was like, OK, cool. Post it all. And again, sold out. But I was laying in bed one day and I had just got off, uh, got offline because what we ended up doing was we did project based learning because they were still kind of on the fence of like how we were going to do it. Like, you know, cause right. all the teachers was like, well, what are we going to do? Like what's the students going to do? What kind of work they're going to do? Like, what are we going to do? Right. And so they ended up having us do project based learning. So we had a group of students that we were assigned and they had different projects and stuff and they kind of tied in from all of the courses that they had the projects for. And so got offline one day from us doing a class and I was just laying in bed and I was thinking, I was like, 
what can I do? Because this is the perfect time to do something different. And so, and I was just thinking and thinking, and I was like, some other flavors. And it hit me. I was like, soul food. Just like I said with cornbread and collard greens, what goes with cornbread? There's no soul food meal you're really eating without cornbread. And then I had made, I actually made some oxtails that weekend. And again, same kind, just a little bit of oxtails up. Let me pull this off the bone and see. And and that, and now that, that only made like, I only had like half a dozen. And so I went ahead and rolled them out. And again, my son, hey, let me get your red charm. When he came, he was like, mama, eat. Okay, okay, mama, you want us some? So we got the oxtail and we got the collard green. And it was like, yeah. And I was like, you know, just kind of thinking outside of I was like, you know what? I was like, I got it. I was like, I'm just going to do some soul food tomorrow. I was like, smother chicken, smother pork chops, red beans and rice. And he was like, yeah. He was like, we had some red beans and rice. And I was like, I'm going to pull those red beans and rice out the freezer and we're going to roll some out and see. And it just it just went from there. And so what ended up happening the way that blew up, um, they have a restaurant group here in Houston, um, the Black Houston Restaurant Group. And so um, and of course, it was at that time, Black Lives Matter. So it was just all about timing right. because, you know, because it's right. like now everybody's pulling together, everybody's supporting everybody, you know, and everybody wants to, so, you know, there's social justice and stuff and, you know, just kind of support everybody. And so one of my, um, she was one of my former bosses. Uh, she actually gave me the break in teaching um, because I went, went transitioning from teaching to um, from the industry. It took, it was one of those things is like, I kind of questioned what the hell am I doing? Because, uh, you know, I, I was in a sense kind of bullied and it was like I almost left from teaching had she not came in and did some stuff and switched, shook, shook up the game a little bit and put me on the platform. I would have went back into the industry because I'm like, I don't need this. You know, I, I'm degreed. I'm a degree professional in the industry. Not even that I have experience and there's no job that I can't get going back into the industry if I chose to. But I'm here to teach because this is what I want to do. She posted something in that group with the tamales, with the collard green tamales. And it just, it, it took, it just went from there. Wow. And I mean, and they just, I mean, it was just like so crazy because now I'm just making tamales, tamales, tamales. So who, who buys them? Where's the customer? How can people get them? You sell them online? You sell them at a farmer's market? Where, how do they find you? So I, mean, I do. If someone's listening and wants some, where, how do they get right, them? Okay. So right now, um, I, I was... I was shipping for a while, but then I had to stop because of that liability. You know, um, I am in the process of uh, working with a food manufacturer in Dallas to get a food menu to get a manufacturer because there is a demand for it, like cross country. Because, again, nobody's doing it. Like, and that's just all honesty. No one's doing it. But right now here in Houston, I'm doing them locally. Um, I've stopped teaching, so I'm doing full time now. Um, so the way that they'll just place their order with me, um, I do have a website and I had to stop the ordering on the website because again, it got so overwhelming. I'm talking about like yeah. everybody from every, and it's like, whoa, like, wait a minute. I don't do this full time because a lot of people thought that I just made tamales full time. It's like, I run a whole culinary program. <laughs> like, I mean, I can't, you know, I don't do this. So, but again, it's allowed me to, you know, that demands there. So here in Houston, I do like the little pop-up shops, vendor shops on the weekends and just take orders and stuff like that. So that's how I'm doing it now locally. And then I'll do also pop-ups. I'll go to Dallas, uh, hit the cities around here. Um, because before I started teaching, I had a job where I traveled. So I traveled all over the state of Texas. So again, just little pop-up shops and stuff in little towns that I went to. Um, from where I grew up and stuff. And certain people, like my friend, I'll ship to my friends 
um, I'll ship to them. But like I said, just that liability that could come with it. Now I had to put the shipping on hold, but shipping is definitely coming uh, with this with this manufacturer. Um, well, they can't order it yet, but how can they find out about it? So when it does happen, they'll be the first on the list. Do you have a website? How can they find out? I do. Blackgirltamales.com, uh, just what it is. And then um, you can sign up to subscribe. And because I already have a list, the database, and that's what I'm saying. I already have like 500 people waiting. Like, it's just one of those things. It's, it's crazy because I did an article with Cuisine Noir, because um, again, from the press, and I didn't even know. Um, and I tell my students as well, you never know who's watching you on social media, you know, with so, how social media is these days and the things that you post and the things that you do. You never know who's watching. And the editor, um, the editor for Cuisine Noir, she was just kind of, she caught, she caught, I caught women and she just started watching me. And then she sent me a friend request and, you know, and I was kind of peeping her, but I didn't really know what she did. So I accepted because I was like, oh, she does food. She's in the food. Okay, cool. Right. But not knowing she's an editor for, for, for Cuisine Noir. And so she's seen a post that I did and you know how, and, you know, everybody's tagging me. That's another thing. And then they'll start tagging me, talking about tomatoes and stuff. And so she's just like literally just sitting here, just watching, just watching. And she reached out to me. She DM me and she was like, if, uh, I've been watching you, chef, and like, you were, you really have an amazing concept. And she like, I like the interview. It's like, oh, okay, cool. And yeah, not knowing what's about to come from that. I'm just like, oh, yeah, sure, sure. Okay. And, you know, we, we did the interview and, you know, um, went over that and the article hit and it hit in October of last year. Right. Well, when the article hit, um, my uncle had passed away. Well, my uncle passed away first on my mom's side. And then the day that the article actually dropped, my aunt passed away on my dad's side. Oh. And so it was like, you know, yeah, this course is one of those things. Couldn't really absorb the moment, but it's like, right. I'm just grateful for it all. Well, I'm at my uncle's service. Right. And I kept hearing my phone go off. And I was like, I'm not checking it. I'm not worried about it. I get back to Houston. I have $5,000 in my account and I have 135 orders. And it's like, I don't even have a tamale roll. I'm not even in production. If I go to a commercial kitchen, I'll roll them out and make them. And it's like, I don't even have a tamale. And like, what? Like, And so when I reached out to the people and I was telling them, like, hey, you know, look, I'll gladly refund you. No, 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 no. We just want to, we're going to wait. It's nothing like this, what you're ever doing. Like, you take your time, you know, be with your family, get it together. When you start shit, we waiting. And they did that. Wow. That's what they did. A lot of people waited, you know. Amazing. And again, it's just, and it's just like, wow, you know, because um, what I ended up doing with it being so close to the end of the year, um, I just took off for the month of December and, you know, kind of got it together, got the team together, we rolled out and piped out the orders and stuff. And then there were some people, you know, of course, they were getting too, oh, too antsy. And it's like, fine. I don't, you know, I'm not keeping no one's money. I will gladly refund you. And, you know, and it was like, well, no, no, no. Well, you can refund us, but put us on the list because when you want, we want it. Like, we, we, we're going to wait. We want it. So, sounds like you got to get hurrying up, get that co packer. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so yeah, I had a meeting last week up in Dallas with the food manufacturer there. And so, I'm going back this week for, uh, for the second meeting. So, um, things are, you know, it's kind of, it's there. Cause like I said, the demands there and just the opportunities that just keep yeah. coming from it. And it's just like, and again, people, like, I mean, literally, like, people that I'm not even thinking or watching, you know, oh, you're just such an inspiration, you know, to see you doing that. That's an amazing concept. And it's just like, it sounds great. You also have that nonprofit too, right? Time for change. You're starting that, which is going to be taking some of your time, but tell us about that. Oh, it's time for a change. I love it. Love it. Because um, it's one of those, I love to teach. Like I love 
working with youth, mm-hmm. uh, especially those at-risk youth, you know, those ones that don't nobody want to be bothered with because they think they're, you know, uh, they're so tough. And, and a lot of times they just want to be loved on. You know, a lot of those, because, you know, they, they come from, um, they have a lot of things that they're coming from and they're dealing with and they're battling. But a lot of them, what I've realized working with a lot of the at-risk youth, you let them cook. And again, like, as we talked about at first, empowering them, tapping into them and letting them see something different. And it brings a whole different side out of it, a completely whole different side. Um, do they want to be in culinary? These or do, or do you just inspire them to be in culinary? How do they, how do they get from where they're at in your, in your training? Um, some of the students that, um, that do apply, a lot of them do want to do it. So, you know, it's just kind of, they want to be chefs. So that's their, in, their inspiration. Yeah, they want to be chefs. So it's just one of those things. Just, and this is, and my part is basic, you know, I'm not, you know, you're not going to come out a full blown, full bred chef. But you will have the basics, you know, the basics. They could get a job in a restaurant, you know, their knife skills. And- Absolutely. You know, teach them the certification. You know, you're getting your certifications um, uh, through NRA, um, food handlers, food uh, serve safe. Also do a customer service certification through the National Retail Federation. Because, again, I don't care what job, even if you decide being a chef is before, you still need to know how to talk to people. So uh, just doing the customer service, food allergens, so they could be aware of allergens and things of that sort. Because what a lot of people like to do uh, that aren't aware of allergens, they think, oh, well, you know, we could just take this off and we can still serve it. Absolutely not. Yeah. Because, you know, an allergen is an allergen. You need to start from scratch, you know, mm-hmm. you can start all the way from scratch and, and, and get a whole new plate. So, you know, just teaching them those basics, you know, just the basics. Now, do you, is it mostly academic or do you have a lab portion? Do you use a commercial kitchen? Or- mm-hmm. Yeah. And just kind of do some on-site cooking and stuff, do little light labs and stuff like that recipes from easy recipes for them to read and follow um also if i have any events or anything like that sometimes them come work with me on some event you know just so you can shadow and see some stuff firsthand sure. that type of stuff um how can someone find out about that <clears throat> maybe there's a listener that wants to help donate or wants to get involved or support you absolutely so uh website is time t-h-y-m-e the number four a change.org and so um, we can go on and get information about it. Um, Great. And if anyone's listening, I'm going to put all of these links in the show notes, the description okay. below. So if anyone's listening and wants to find out more information, those links will be there, as well as your personal chef. What if someone wants to hire you as their personal chef? They're in the local area. How can they find out about that? Is that the same websites or a different? Well, actually, I'm working on getting that pulled together. But right now I'm on Fash. I'm on Fash.com. And then on my uh, Facebook page, I have uh, Not Enough Time, PCN. So I'll have all those and I'll put them all in so they'll be up to date and people can uh, reach out in any of these awesome businesses that you've got running here and, and they want to find out more. That would be great. Awesome. Okay. And then you also, like you don't have enough to do, you also have your own clothing line that you're designing and selling, Diva Chef Apparel. Why don't you tell us about that? So I came up with Diva Chef Apparel. Uh, one of my friends that I went to culinary school, she's actually on my nonprofit board. We're really, really good friends. Um, when I used to go to school, I'm just, again, I did cosmetology when I was in high school. And and my mom, she's always been very well grown. She was a nurse. She'll go to she'll go to work. She's always starched down her uniforms and all that. And so I just I, I just came from that. So, you know, when I come to culinary school, my uniforms always starched down. My hair's done, makeup's done, a little backpack. I had a... a, a purple cheetah print backpack and so bernie she was like oh here's chef diva here's the diva here's a diva chef and i'm like bernie whatever whatever but then when i thought about it i was like i guess so i guess people do i, I guess so because I, I do i like to maintain my grooming and you know it could be come off divish to somebody but okay 
cool, I'll run with it. And so just over the years, I used Chef Diva just as that trade. But then when I thought about it, just kind of playing off of it and building different things, I was like, Diva Chef Apparel. Yeah, just and it's just this um, clothes, uh, clothing line with shirts, aprons. Um, the shirts have catchy phrases. I want to get into doing the uh, chef jackets as well, mm. um, because a lot of times what I've noticed over the years, especially when we first started out, there were no female jackets. Yeah. Like, it was just that, 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 yeah, that square shape, and that was it. Like, it wasn't nothing. The industrial design, checkered pants. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Nothing nothing to fit the curves and all that type of stuff for a woman. So I am looking at doing the um, jackets, but right now it's just t-shirts and aprons that I'm doing and they just have the catchy phrases. And that website is divashefapparel.com and you can order from there. Great. I'll put that in the show notes as well. Awesome. Wow. So I guess I'm going to ask, what does the future hold for you? You've got enough on your plate now, but where do you see yourself in a year, five years? Where do you want to, you know, take your next step in your journey? Millionaire, I'm, I'm on, a, I'm on to the millionaire in the making. So, um, just wanting to make sure that um, everything comes together. And because again, this isn't nothing that came overnight. This is literally one of these things that took years of strategic planning of just really and it also and it all started from because I was telling one of my students because she was like chef you just you're just doing all this stuff I was like it's just coming together now I was like but trust me this has been in the making for over a decade like I, I didn't just come up with all of this stuff like all of these things are now falling into place and so, because um, when I started, like I said, when I transitioned from the industry to doing administrative work, to be at home with my son doing the nine to five thing, when I ended up getting laid off, that that's when it really hit me. When I got laid off from Toshiba, you know, around that time when uh, the recession, it hit, you know, everybody, I mean, I don't care, even if you were sitting on degrees, there was a lot of degree people with no jobs. And I could have went back to the restaurant industry, but it was just like, I, I just, I, I can't, you know, being a single mom and I don't want to put myself in that position of not being there with my son. So, you know, I, I was on unemployment for a while, but I utilized that time, you know, mm-hmm. I, you know, started like truly planning, like business planning, get my business plan together for my personal chef service, starting to put this stuff together. Like, okay, well, I know I want to do this. I, I want to, you know, I want a nonprofit one day. I, I want to teach people how to cook. I want to, you know, teach people how to do that. And so, um, all of it came together in full circle because I started teaching first, you know, to get that, to get that experience, you know, and not because it's like you're saying that you want to be a teacher, but then like you want to teach culinary classes, but then you don't know where to start. So it was like, and I felt like that was how I needed to start was it to at least teach. And then when I started coordinating the program and running it, so now I have the inside and the know-how of it. So like I said, it was just one of those things and especially being able to build everything up over time, because when you teach, you know, you already know no nights, no weekends, no holidays, you know, all that type of stuff. We're on the school district schedule. So again, all of that, that's nothing but free time to give me time to, you know, strategically plan and, and build stuff up and build my presence and, you know, and, and just build things up and things like that. Right. It's like the pandemic, you know, it's an awful, awful time, but it's also an opportunity and an entrepreneurial time. Absolutely. It's forcing people to be uncomfortable, get off whatever stuck at home, but that's where the creativity comes out for the next step of the journey. Absolutely. And, you know, and it's it's one of these things, when this pandemic hit, it really hit home because it just reminded me of how the recession was. Because, like, I was like, to just see how some of the people are struggling 
You know, they, they don't know where the next meal coming from, how they're going to get the bills paid and stuff. That's how I was when the recession hit. You know, it was just like, it was really a struggle. And then like, and then I got a small, I got a, like a small child, you know, like he's older now. He's more self-sufficient and things are a whole lot different. I got a small child. So it's like, I have to make sure, you know, keep a roof over the head. Like, I got like, I'm not, right. you know, I, I got to, you know, it's just one of those things. And I totally just, I, I, you know, I got to pivot. You got to hustle. You got to pivot. You got to do things. You got to change. And it's just like, and I just understand, like to see some of the people and hear some of the stories. It's just like, man, I was like you when, when that recession hit. But the one thing about it, what I learned from that recession, I was like, I would never be in that position if something like this ever happens again. You know, just learning from that and building stuff up. I, I, I mean, I, and again, and then this, this pandemic hit. And again, I wasn't in that position because that was my goal. Because another thing that I started hearing over the years was, oh, you know, you know, we hit that recession. No way. We're going we're gonna to come into a recession again. Something like this is going to happen again down the line. You know, it might not happen right now, but it's going to be some years down the line. And again, it hit this pandemic. And like I said, just kind of strategically having a strategy and putting stuff in place to not be in that position. Because again, this is a really tough trying time for a lot of people. I mean, I have literally seen some people fall apart at the seams because of all of this, you know, not being able to go to work and, you know, their jobs, it, just all the uncertainty, yeah. you know, all the uncertainty. Devastating. Just so sad. So now that you're a success, you have all these businesses and it was a journey, you know, you had that path, you've planned it out, all those uh, degrees that you got along the way. Would you do anything differently now with that reflection? If you look back, would you change anything? Would you have done it a little different? I think the one thing that I would have done differently is that I would have been more active. Um, and when I say being more active, um, building the network, you know, participating in the groups at school, you know, the organizations and things of that sort. I didn't really learn the importance of that until after after going to culinary school twice and, you know, being out of work and realizing, like, wait a minute, it's who you know. You know, it's those people that you really know and just kind of, again, just being active and exposing yourself and, you know, so people know what you do. Because, again, yeah, social media is a deal, this, that and the other. But it's always old school, tried and true for someone to drop your name in the hat, you know. So um, I think it would have been a little bit more networking. I would have more mentors um, because I didn't really realize it that Chef Edgerton at that time was being my mentor. Because if I, I think if I would have realized that then, I would have gravitated and pulled on to more people instead of just kind of leaving it at that. Because I kind of had that sense like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm always, I've always been smart. I can figure it out. I can do this. I mean, it ain't going to be nothing for me to get a job. I get in there, they see how it works. It'll be this, it'll be that. And it's just like, no, that doesn't always work all the time. You know, I mean, that might be cool for some things, but when you're going on a higher level, yeah, it's it's really it's okay for someone to drop your name in the hat and put you you know put you where you need to be because again you can sit on all the degrees and know this know that this that, and the other but if you don't know people that could put you in those places and that might know somebody that knows somebody you're gonna spend wheels so I think networking and just being more active in organizations I definitely would have did that a whole lot differently and latched onto mentors. 
That's so true because as a culinary educator myself, I see this all the time with students and they're so in their shell, you know, and is worried about ego and what people think. And they miss out on so much of that education. You know, they're just getting the the fundamentals of the basics. But while you're in school or in high school or in the career, pick people's brains to connect with people. Go, you know, get involved in organizations, get involved in clubs, get involved in extra so you can really absorb it and, and maximize that time and that knowledge and that learning. Absolutely. I mean, because it's just, you know, because again, you can't take that away. And that's, that is definitely one of the things when I realized when my career started to hit that shift, it was like, if I would have done this, like when I was in culinary school, I probably wouldn't have struggled the way I did. But, you know, again, we all go through what we need to go through to grow us and things like that. But I, without a doubt, I don't think for a doubt, if I would have really engrossed myself in it and really gotten active, really, you know, just kind of quick. Because another thing about me is what I've realized, I'm a quiet, I'm quiet, I'm a quiet, low-key person, but I talk when I need to talk and get what I need to, because a lot of people, they don't think that, they don't think that I'm as quiet as I am, but I really am a quiet person. I'm just kind of very, especially if I'm in a room with a lot of people, um, you know, I'm going to talk and interact, but for the most part, I'm quiet because I'm just kind of observing, you know, kind of observing everybody around the room and stuff like that, and I don't have too much to say, but, um, and that was another, I was really, really quiet. I didn't have that confidence. I was just so quiet. It's like, I don't want to be bothered. I don't want nobody to bother me. And I'm not going to ask too many questions. I'm just going to sit here and absorb it. And I've been like, and I really got questions, but it's just like, but I'm one of those, I'm so self-taught because I've always been a reader. Like I, I read, read, it's like, I, I read, I'll I figure it out myself. I'll teach myself. And this is like, and I'd done that, mm-hmm. but I could have got a whole lot more if I would have asked some questions, you know, and then figured it out from someone else because you know everybody they just do chefs do things so different you know just from the different things that you learn from the chefs that everybody just has their different styles and stuff so again if i would have really took the current time to pick pick some brains and ask some questions yeah things would have been a whole lot different but it's like a teacher like you were like i am we always ask is there any questions and students never say anything and they have them it's like and if you're listening and you're that student ask the question yeah because yeah it, absolutely it, it's not a burden it's actually makes us happy as teachers we want yeah. to, be able to answer those questions and if you have them that's why you're in school don't be because you know what happened what happens is they come back the same stuff that you taught them or you were teach you were telling them and when you come back all right let's do, let me see you do it yeah and then it's just like oh can i talk to you over here sure what's up uh well i really don't I just asked you, did you have a question? Well, I ain't going to say nothing in front of everybody. That's what we're here for. So, yeah. Stop worrying about all those people around you. Stop worrying about all of that. You're there for an objective. Talk to that teacher. Talk to those mentors. Reach out. People will help you, especially teachers. That's why they're teachers. They want to give that knowledge away. Go to them. Yeah, exactly. That's That's what we do. Exactly. And it's just like. You'd be surprised. Like people would love to share what, what they know. And, you know, because again, you don't, you don't answer the call of being a teacher just to sit on what you know, you know, like. <laughs> we want to give it away. Seek, seek them out after class, office hours, wherever, after school. <laughs> you want to give it away. That's what. That's why you're answering the call of being that teacher is to share it, is to share that knowledge. So, yeah, I think a lot of if there, and anybody that is listening to that, please take that away and ask questions, because, again, mm-hmm. you never know the questions you, that can also lead to an opportunity. You know, if you ask you know, ask certain questions, that could lead to an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it goes beyond teachers because that's why we're in the hospitality business. We're hospitable. So people reach out to people, chefs in your neighborhood, hotel managers, anybody, and ask them. They'll find the time. They'll have a cup of coffee with Absolutely. you and they will share. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
So as we come to the end of our chat today, before we wrap up, is there any last minute advice or guidance that you want to leave with the listeners, something you want to share? The, the nugget that I would like to drop would be is to go for what you're passionate about. I think a lot of times, a lot of people get caught up. They have really awesome ideas and they'll talk to that one wrong person and they'll plant that seed of doubt. And then it's like, I ain't going to do it. you know. But you're sitting on an awesome idea and you feel it in your gut. And you know, like when you do it, it makes you feel good. It's a, you get good feel, you know, you can just get the good vibes, good energy, good, whatever it is, but you don't act on it. So stop being scared and act on it, you know, because you, you never know what comes about. And again, my son, that prime example, I'm sitting there, son, we gonna, I got this kind of a mama. No, let's just stick with what we're doing. Like we no, mama don't. What? Like, just follow me on this. And again, had I listened to what he said, just doing just the chicken, just the pork. And again, that everybody does. Cause again, we're in Texas. So everybody makes tamales. <laughs> you know, I'm not doing nothing special or nothing different in Texas because this is a tamale state. Right. But again, what I'm doing that's different. And then, and then also just getting that feedback from other people too, because there's a few people, they just like traditional tamales. They don't, they don't like all that, the different, they just want the traditional ones. And I think that would be the, the, the biggest takeaway is to act on what you're passionate about, because you never know, you never know what it could be, what it could lead to, who you could meet, you know, just anything of that sort. So just don't, don't listen to the haters and the naysayers do what you feel and you're passionate about. If you just stay with the herd, you're going to be part of the herd. If you want to advance, you got to be different. You got to chase that passion. That's that's it right now. We're right there. You're going to be right. You're just going to blend right in with them, just doing just what you do. And, you know, you just got to be like really fearless and just take a chance. Step, Jump off the porch. <laughs> you know, just that's it. You just got to jump off the porch and you can't like you got to be careless in a sense, not caring what people think or what they say and, and stand on it. Stand on what you what, what you're firm about. Um, because it's just it's really heartbreaking to see people that have ideas and that have and they they hear somebody and quick story. One of my students, this happened when we was at school. So one of my students, uh, we were in we were, we were in a lab and uh, we were doing a measurement lab, you know, just the base. And so um, and it was a great you know how boys are. They just always BSing and all that type of stuff. And so um, Caesar, he was like. Yeah, I, I wrote the story, and he's going in about, and he just looks so pad. And I'm like, okay, we'll tell you that. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna hype you up. Tell me about it. Tell me about the story. Yeah. So, um, and even though I'm not a Harry Potter fan or anything like that, it was, it was like one, it was like a cross up of Harry Potter and like the anime. Okay. It was like a cross up of that type of thing. And I was like, okay, cool, you know. And I'm just like, well, tell me more. He, he's telling me about. It, he's telling. And then one of the students come up. Oh man, ain't nobody gonna read it. Ain't. Ain't nobody going to do it. And I'm like. That's dumb. Yeah, that, that right there. That's exactly what he was doing. All the little gym. Do you hear me? And then he, man, man, you hear what he's saying? You hear the story? Man, ain't nobody going to let. Oh, man, I'm sitting in the other one. They chiming in. They chiming in. And I'm just standing here and I'm watching him go from, ah, to. Deflate. Yeah. And it's just like. And I'm like, hey, y'all, you know, of course, like. Y'all ease up on them. Like, man, you never know. That that could be a million. Bishop, you just tell them that because you're the teacher. You got to. Ain't nobody going to listen. Ain't nobody going to. And again, I'm just steady watching them while they're going because that's what they do. You know, they jump like that. And I'm just steady watching him. And again, that all of that, ah, it just went back to just. And when they, when we started cleaning up and stuff, I was like, hey, Josh, come here. Let me talk to you right quick. And so he walked. He was like, yes, ma'am. I was like, don't you listen to what they say. I was like, I get it. Those are your friends. I was like, but those are the type of friends that usually misery loves company. 
So, you know, if they see you doing something good and they say, I was like, because I was like, Josh, that look that you had in your eyes when you were telling the story about this idea and this and that. And I was like, and they sitting here shooting it down. That's because they ain't got no ideas. Mm-hmm. That's because they not doing that. I was like, have you read the story of the lady that, that came up with Harry Potter? I was like, her, her story is something like that, too. Right. You know, and again, this woman is a multi-billionaire from Harry Potter. Whoever would have thought magical, whimsical, like all that type of stuff, would, would she do what she doing? So I was like, man, just hold on to what I'm saying. I was like, and I know those are your friends. I was like, sometimes you can't tell everybody what you're doing. So I was like, so more than anything, I was like, don't don't give up on it. Like, just just keep going. Just don't tell them what you're doing. You can still be cool with them, but don't let them know what you're doing. But right. don't give up on that. I was like, because right. I was like, it really broke my heart to see how hype you was and how excited. You know, me and you, we going back and forth. And then here they come, just just shot you down and just busted your bubble. And you literally, you went from, you know, you went from 10 to negative, like to negative low. Like, and I was like, don't, don't do that. Right. It's like a culinary instructor. I always was like, our job is to facilitate their dreams, not yeah. to deflate them. Yeah. Because they could come in and say, I want to open up a food truck or what, whatever. Great. How right. can I help you? Right. Exactly. Because again, just, just because you may not have some success and that you know other people that didn't have success, who's not to say they're not going to be successful? You know? So yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Be around positive people that are going to help you move forward and forget the naysayers. That's that's it, that's it right there, that positive people. Uh, and that's another take because I think we're so con- a lot of people are so conditioned to negativity. You know, we have more negative stuff than positive stuff going. So I think just just surrounding yourself with a good group of positive people that are doing what you're doing or better, because when you're surrounded with people like that, they're always going to be willing to uplift you. They're going to be willing to refer you. They're going to be willing to put you on the opportunities, drop that name in the hat, you know, things of that sort. So Mm -hmm. you got to look at people that are doing that, because, again, when you're trying to still stay core and rooted to those friends that, you know, you grew up with or whatever, them are the main ones that, you know, they don't have a vision or they don't have a dream or they don't have nobody positive, you know, speaking something positive and something. They're going to shoot you down every time you say something. Yeah. So stay away from toxic. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that is just about all the time we have for this episode. I want to first thank you, Latoya, for coming on the show today and sharing your culinary school story with all of us. Appreciate your time, your insight, and your honesty. Thank you so much, Chef. I appreciate you having me here. Oh, thanks so much. And bye-bye now. Bye. You have a good one. And a big thanks and appreciation also goes out to all of you, the listeners. We hope you enjoy the show and this episode. You all are a big part of this show, so please let us know what you think. Your comments are always welcome, and they help us in making the best show possible. You can email them to culinaryschoolstories at gmail.com. That's culinaryschoolstories at gmail.com. Or even leave us a voicemail at area code 207-835-1275. That's area code 207 207- 835-1275. And if you like the show, we have a big ask of all of you, and that is to share the podcast with everyone you know and to give us a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Okay, until our next Culinary School Story, take care and be well. Bye-bye. Culinary School Stories is a proud member of the Food Media Network.